Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, one by one. We will be free of spoilers for future episodes, unless uh, you made a gaffe like we made two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we will be uh, we will have full spoilers on for any episode that we've discussed in the past. I'm Jason, and unlike Cyril the Mail Guy... I know when to not double cross somebody. <laughs> and I'm Harrison and I'm going and I have two cages, one for mama, one for baby. <laughs> like that's so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Angel season three, episode eight, Quickening. This is the one where there is a Blues Brothers-esque a parade of people trying to get a hold of the baby that Darla's carrying. And <laughs> not gonna lie, like you, you would think that it would be that would come off as just ridiculous and stupid. And while it is ridiculous, it's actually pretty entertaining. It's really fun. Uh, Quickening was written by Jeffrey Bell and directed by Skip Skolnick, and it originally aired on November twelfth, two thousand one. Jason. Harrison. What are you drinking today? Uh, a Rheingeist Cougar, courtesy of your refrigerator. Yes. Uh, John was very excited to find that uh, Rheingeist kind of like uh, multi-pack uh, at the some liquor store. Uh, he specifically went to Liquor Barn somewhere because uh, he needed to get... Um, some orange liqueur, some like nice, nicer stuff than you can get at Kroger, um, so that he could make. What was he making? I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> some sort of cocktail. Negronis. Um, I don't know. No. Well, whatever it was, but he found that at the liquor uh, bar. You all drink like... a lot of fancy <laughs> shit that I have no yeah. idea what that is. Um, yeah. So I am drinking just some Old Foe on the rocks. Uh, That's what I had last yeah. week to all of our returning listeners. Yeah. Um, should we have a toast? Yeah, sure. Um, this is to all of the people who are currently working on restoring power to the people of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some pretty rough storms uh, uh specifically on this past friday yeah and uh there's some people who still don't have um power a couple yeah. of my friends included in there uh so here's hoping that everybody gets it back as soon as possible yeah cheers <sighs> yeah at the Lawndales peak- are so refreshing um at the peak of it it was something like over two hundred thousand people were out of power. Yeah. Um, it was the it's the third largest um, like power outage uh, the city's ever had, according to LG and E. And they've actually had to bring in um, people from like out of state, like to help 
do the repairs and all that. So yeah, it's... believe it. Like at one point on Friday, like the winds were in some places at seventy miles an hour, yeah. which some people may just be like, "Oh, that's nothing," and we're like, "Well, when you're experiencing hurricane level winds." In Louisville, Kentucky? <laughs> yeah. That's something. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I drive a very light car, and I was very nervous <laughs> driving home from work. It was not fun. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so it's just, and yet lg and raising our prices, but aren't hiring people to, anyway, I won't get on my lg and soapbox, but um, my last power bill was fucking outrageous. Is that the one that's? Hanging on the refrigerator? No. Oh. <laughs> no. Um, we haven't actually gotten a, a bill yet for this house. That'll okay. be our next one. So we're, we're very interested to see like what, what the change is. Um, real quick, ending, um, before we get started, I was like, what does quickening mean? So I looked it up. Quickening is when a pregnant person starts to feel their baby's movement in their uterus. It feels like flutters, bubbles, or tiny pulses. Quickening happens around 16 to 20 weeks in pregnancy, but some people may feel it sooner or later. So that's what quickening means. So 16 to 20 weeks means around like month four or five. Yeah. So it's not really appropriate for where Darla is in her her pregnancy, but... um, uh, you know, it's it's at least a pregnancy word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Shall we dive in? Yeah. So um, we have a couple of flashbacks in this episode. Uh, first, we're going back to 1764 in York, uh, England. Not the, not the newest of Yorks. No. Uh, but we basically, with the reveal that Holtz is now in the present, kind of have to add a little bit of meaning to his character so we now see why he hates Angelus and Darla so much um, and not just as like, oh, they're vampires, I hate them. Uh, they, they did kill his entire family um, and it's a... Uh, they're able to do that by kind of throwing off his scent and leading him to on like a wild goose chase mm-hmm. uh, to a house that's empty except for a note that says, how do you expect to stop us if you can't even protect your own? And uh, while he's there, um, Angelus and Darla proceed to uh, eat uh, Holtz's wife, his daughter, and their baby. Because eat this baby. Eat this baby. (laughs) Listen, I don't want to say that these people deserved to die for being so stupid. I have a bad feeling where you're going. But (laughs) I'm... These people are so dumb. They they know, presumably, that their husband slash father is a vampire hunter. And that he Do is they? Well, if they don't, then he's stupid for not preparing them. Because he's obviously, like, specifically, even before they kill his family, he's been tracking Darla and Angel specifically. They've clearly made a reputation for themselves. So, like, either he did not prepare his family to potentially be tar- be targeted, or they were too stupid to follow the advice. Either way, I'm not saying they deserved it, I'm, but... <laughs> yeah, I think um, I could easily see Holtz as the kind of man who 
wants to protect his family from something unholy, um, but not in the way of like, oh, protect it, protect yourselves by being able to fight them. It's like, oh, I'm not even going to let them know about it. He's taking the Spring Awakening approach. <laughs> to, wow, to follow we, up on. We're getting a lot of uh, we're getting a lot of that uh, references going on yeah. here. Um, but yeah, so then uh, we go back to present day Los Angeles. And uh, their angel, um, while Darla is sleeping, puts his hand on her belly uh, to feel the uh, beating, beating heart of what's inside. And uh, Darla moves her hand up onto his and says, "Like, should you do it or I?" Yeah. So I'm assuming that they that she's referring to who's going to kill this thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, because that's a, that's what he says to her when they're mm-hmm. discussing who's going to kill that baby. Yeah, it's a lot of baby murder and talk of baby murder mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, so yeah, this is where I guess we will, as Jason alluded to in the opening, uh, we'll extend our apologies. We jumped the gun a bit last week when we were like we jumped the charles gun (laughs) uh in the episode where they discover the baby has a soul we were like human baby and that is actually not established until this episode well i mean i think uh i think maybe uh even when i first watched the episode Mm -hmm. i guess i just assumed that if they were going to the effort of giving him a soul then he would be at least like humanoid yeah uh it's just it's I think the problem therein lies with the show's very frustrating like refusal to really explain what a soul is. It's just like sometimes a soul is a conscience. Sometimes a soul is like its own thing. It's like souls in the Buffyverse are whatever they need to be. Yes, <laughs> in they're, the moment. they're very um they're very plot convenient. Uh-huh. Uh but um, Darla does say that uh, something is protecting this child because um, she's tried numerous things to get rid of it. Gun's ready to fire an arrow right at her stomach and she's like, fire away. <laughs> and she's like, no! <laughs> there will be no shooting crossbolts into pregnant women. Yeah, there's like a, there's a lot of fun uh, banter between the Angels Investigation crew as to um, one, how ugly this thing is going to be, and two, how they're going to kill it. Yeah. Uh, like Wesley being like, no, no, we have to let Darla have the baby. Then we can kill it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and apparently, they're not the only ones who are like ready to kill this baby. Yeah. Uh, we'll get, but we'll get to the Wolferman heart of it all oh in a bit. Um, so. Holtz is actually watching a whole bunch of TV screens with a whole bunch of historical events that have happened since the 1770s. And uh, he is he's basically visited by um, Shahjan, who we saw at the end of the last Angel episode. And he reveals, and we see in another flashback, that they made an agreement um, nine years after... Uh, after Holt, after Holtz's family was killed by Darlan and Jealous, so we've seen a couple of scenes mm-hmm. in that like nine year period. Um, but uh, Shaojan does um, does visit Holtz and says, "Oh, um, you're not going to be able to kill Angelus and Darla 
on your own. You're going to need my help, and you're not going to be able to do it now. You're going to have to do it at least 200 years in the future. And, uh, and so Holtz decides to agree to it. It's, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it's, it's clearly just like a flimsy excuse for let's bring Holtz into the, uh, into the modern day. Yeah. And I, and, it, and, and I think that, I think the reason that it's so weird is because when Angel encounters Holtz at the end of the episode, you don't, like, Angel has not thought about Holtz probably since this whole thing has happened. It's yeah. more just like, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And honestly, it feels like the character and vendetta of Holtz has kind of come out of nowhere. It really, we have seen it a little bit, like we saw Holtz, like, referenced in season two once. Yeah. And then a couple of appearances, but nothing's ever really come across as very, even in, like, the scenes where he's able to torture Angel, he's able to torture Angelus, nothing really comes across as, like, this is, like, the biggest bad that Angelus has ever faced. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, and I, and I don't know, I don't know if it's how the character is written, or I don't know if it's how the character is performed. I really can't put my finger on it. But there is, like, I think there is value in a villain who is essentially justified in their hatred of Angel, um, and yeah, that tracks that over his hundreds of years of murdering, that um, that there would be someone like this who has this justified hatred of Angel, and to be brought into the story in the present, like I'm all of that on paper works for me, like in theory, but somewhere in the creation of this specific character. It, it it really stumbles. And I don't... I, and I guess that's something we should pay attention to over the course of the season as we get to know this guy more and his actions. Try to maybe see if we can pinpoint where that is. Yeah, and it's just like... It seems like it should be a much bigger moment when Angelus... Or when Angel... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. I've been listening to Holtz too much. When Angel is finally confronted by Holtz Mm -hmm. but um and I mean in all fairness all we got is like Angel's initial reaction we haven't seen like them actually have a dialogue which we're obviously going to get in the next episode but uh it's it's not good when a brand new Wolfram and Hart character shows up this week and immediately is more memorable than our like oh you mean Cyril the male guy (laughs) (laughs) I I well I was referring to Linwood Murrow but also, yes, Cyril the Mal guy, little dweeb. <laughs> you have very strong opinions about these Wolfram and Hart employees. He's a fucking dweeb. He's, he's, he's like, ooh, Miss Morgan, you're so sexy. Let I don't me, think, you, I don't let think me I've heard you, you say dweeb in the entire time that I've known you. I've, also, 1998 called, they want their insult back. I, listen, when... I... No. Because... The, uh, tell me that guy is not... T- you open a dictionary... Dweeb. Here it is. I found it. It's that guy. He's not holding a dictionary. He's it's, making this up. <laughs> there's, it's just, there's no better word for this little dweeb. It's like, I'm sorry. I can't. Like, there's. It's just the perfect word for this specific guy. 
hate him. I mean, what? what and uh, what's your uh, specific phrase for uh, Lee Mercer again? Rat face fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Linwood, though, I love Linwood. I'm actually very excited to have Linwood on the scene. Like I, I keep looking at him and thinking that it's Dan Castellaneta, but I know that it's not. It is John Rubenstein, who, among many other roles he's had in his career, originated the role of Pippin. Uh, in Pippin uh, on Broadway, not the uh, not Peregrine took from not the Lord Peregrine took. <laughs> uh, but he also played uh, in the tour of Pippin uh, from the 2013 revival. He played King Charlemagne, uh, and John and I actually saw that production at the Kentucky Center, and I. <laughs> I was actually very tempted to break my Angel Season 3 DVDs to get his signature on it. Uh, but I didn't because that even, even even that's a little much even for me. I mean, do you... Okay, so here's a question. Yes. Um, I know that at some places, uh, if you wait, then like the actors will come out and maybe sign stuff. Mm-hmm. Does that happen at the Kentucky Center? Uh-huh. Okay, like, when does it happen? Because I guess I've always just been caught up in the mad dash of everybody trying to get their cars and get out of there yeah. before um, it becomes an absolute nightmare. Yeah. So it just, it really depends, and it's performer's choice, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for shows in Whitney, specifically, because um, there are multiple, for listeners who don't know, at the Kentucky Center for the Arts, there are multiple venues. Um, but the stage door is um at the loading dock on 6th street um so do people actually wait outside mm-hmm. on 6th street yep okay um and really it's it really is just like the performer's choices if they choose to exit there and take pictures and sign if they don't feel like it sometimes they'll use a different exit um or they'll just be like no not tonight have a good evening um but yeah when i saw the tour of legally blonde um uh with uh our dear friend julia strange mm. um we went and got a picture with the uh the the actress who played l um very very sweet woman um i've not done that, it that very... was laura bell bundy I'm assuming. it was not laura bell bundy okay. um but uh, i don't remember what her name was um but yeah, so it, it's it's just very dependent on um, on the situation and if the if the performers want to or I'm sure probably after the reopening there was probably COVID guidelines that I'm not mm-hmm. familiar with. Um, like for our actors at our shows, they typically just come out to the lobby, but uh, they weren't able to post reopening. And actually, our next show is the first show we're going to be going to be able to have our actors come out uh to the lobby to take pictures so um so yeah that's interesting yeah i was always kind of wondering like if this is a thing that happens at like a a place like uh the kentucky center Mm -hmm. where does it happen yep uh now i know yep that's fair um but uh going back to wolfram and hart while we talk while we bring up all these uh interesting characters um so Lila is uh, busy signing a contract in blood, as you do. There's a missed opportunity here, in my opinion. So we see her prick her finger, and drips the blood into her inkwell, and mm-hmm. then dips it. I think it would have been funnier if she just has like a per- 
a pre-prepared vial of her own blood. Okay. That's like, <laughs> that just feels to me like it fits with kind of the, um, the, uh, office vibe, not office the show, but office the concept yeah. of like, un- just, you know, the, that banality of evil thing. If it, it's just like a pre-prepared, like, pen that has her blood or something. I don't know. Um, but it's still very on brand to have to prick her finger. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of pricks. <laughs> uh, no, Jason. We've discussed this. He's a dweeb. <laughs> he's not even... He's not, he's not even cool enough to be a prick. <laughs> Cyril the male guy comes in and... Uh, uh, I can't remember if he actually like has something to deliver to her. I know that she gives uh, him something to deliver. I assume it's the contract that she just uh, yeah that she just signed because mm-hmm. um, there's like a she signed as a witness. So like um, I don't know exactly what what the contract was for. I didn't pay too much attention yeah, to it. My bad. Uh, but uh, then um, Cyril it says, uh, "Oh, just a heads up. Um, I really admire you." And uh, she immediately is like, I don't date guys I work with. Uh, no, 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 I don't date guys from the mailroom. And he says, neither do I. <laughs> um, I love how he says, I respect you way too much to be attracted to you. <laughs> I feel like Lila's been getting that all her life. <laughs> uh, poor thing. I mean, not poor thing because she's... Yeah, a, she's evil. She's a pretty evil person. <laughs> but uh, uh, he does say that there... He does hand... Uh, Lila a disc and uh, she puts in the disc and it is a recording of when Angel and her got hot and heavy mm-hmm. on Angel's er, on Wes's, Wes's desk, desk. <laughs> um, and this was when Angel was uh, hosting the uh, that old man that old horny man uh, <laughs> man <laughs> it's just so weird <laughs> Do you ever think about how weird these shows are? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I I forced myself to think about it by virtue of starting a podcast. I can't not think about it. I've done well, this just to the, myself. It's just that Buffy and Angel are such huge parts of our lives that even some of the other stuff we get about as nonchalant as some of the Scoobies do. It's like, oh, you know, just another like body stealing okay. episode or whatever. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about it. It's just a mystical pregnancy that can't be undone by any means. Yeah, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, I do feel like if either of us were to encounter anything supernatural or um, extraterrestrial or anything, we would just immediately have like, a, okay, well, it probably means that this, this, and this. <laughs> so if we need, if it's a hostile force, then we need to do this, this, and this. Yeah. I think we'd be very prepared for 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 supernatural slash sci-fi incursion of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so turns out that uh, the exterminators that Gavin Park sent to the Hyperion don't remove bugs; they plant bugs. Mm-hmm. And so basically, Gavin has been pretty much for the entirety of season three been filming the insides of the Hyperion, which is creepy on so many levels. Um, And uh, when Lila does end up finding Gavin, uh, 
<laughs> it's really funny because they're reading the transcript and <laughs> it's like Kawiahui Kai Haya what what is somebody doing an incantation? It's like no, he's teaching woman number one <laughs> martial arts. <laughs> woman number one. Right. Do they really you feel like they would this is how how like shoddy Gavin is. He doesn't have like he has all of this data and info, except that he doesn't have the info to go with it. Yeah, it is weird. I I, I could see maybe how they might not at least initially have Fred's name, which is pretty new to the team. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to have them like I did, or I don't know. Maybe that's just maybe it's less that they don't know and more more of like a this is just. The template. We, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, we, I don't know. I'm not an evil lawyer, so I really, I really shouldn't be talking out of turn. I have a cousin. You're, you're only half that. Exactly. I do have a cousin who is a lawyer, and I have another cousin who just passed the bar. So that makes her a lawyer, right? When you pass yes. the bar, that means you're a lawyer. Pass so the I've, bar exam means you're licensed to. I have two cousins who are lawyers. Plus, my uh, my brother's girlfriend is at Brandeis Law School, and like she has a bunch of lawyers in her family. So, you know, I could probably bend some ears and be like, "Listen, pretend you're an evil lawyer <laughs> and tell me how this would work." If you if you were evil <laughs> and you were bugging a hotel that a vampire with a soul owns. Would you identify the people by name or not? So, uh, when Lila does eventually find Gavin, um, she's a great line. It's like, I wonder, I wonder where a cockroach would be, and sure enough, I found you here. Uh, I also love her line when she's threatening Cyril, and she threatens to peel off his skin and then staple it back on inside out. Poetry. Poetry. You're so fucking weird yeah. sometimes. You know that? I Listen, I love a creative threat. And Lila is great at creative threats. Oh, if boy. you call me weird one more time, I'm going to peel off your skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out that Cyril was basically just manipulating uh, Lila to get to Gavin. So already that dweeb is, is doing... Doing stupid shit. Um, he even went on like a whole like, oh, uh, you got to choose which side you're on. It turns out this isn't even the side that he's actually on. Right? Either. How many? How many? I don't. I've never seen such a minor character have so many double crosses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they um, they do. Uh, the guy uh, Gavin's surveillance tech does say that there is a pregnant woman, an unidentified pregnant woman, and uh, and Dar- and um, and Lila's like, who the hell is that? And so they pull up the tape, and sure enough, it's Darla, and she's like, oh, holy shit. Yep. Uh, so then oh, she... holy shit. So basically, they have to call in uh, the head of special projects, Linwood Murrow, yes. and a bevy of psychics um, basically all of them yeah uh a lot of different ones one that uh one that uh murrow has killed 
Because he, the, the, the psychic looks and is like, you're going to kill me, aren't you? He's like, no, where was that clairvoyance when we needed it? Yeah. <laughs> um, those lady psychics must have been so glad they were talking to Lila and not him. Um, were those the female psychics that uh, um, Lila was talking to, I believe were the same ones. I don't know if they're the same actors, but they're certainly stylized the same way as the psychics back in season one. Uh, who were reading Lindsay, Lila, and Ratface Fuck? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I would I would have to see like side by side images. I don't even know if I got a clear view of the of them as they were talking to Lila. Um, but uh, yeah, so Darla ends up. By the way, I am jumping around a lot here because the Buffy Wiki is jumping around. Um, and we're actually no, the Buffy Wiki is trying to group it all together into the storylines as much as it can. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, oh, basically, um, what Wolfram Hart has decided is that, oh, they're going to grab Darla, get the baby, and then have some Dr. Strangelove-looking asshole, like, <laughs> just dissect the hell out of it. Uh, I think that this, this guy reminded me of a lot of discount store John Malkovich. Uh, because he, he's eager to see the baby. Yeah, he's very much that like. Man, Fiona, I can no, walk. I literally was about to say he's very much like Nazi scientist, like Nazi doctor, doctor. I literally said Doctor Mengele mm-hmm. as we were watching the episode. Um, also, though, when you said that, it just gave me um, fucking. Oh God, what the fuck is his name? The German director, um, Werner Herzog. Yeah, I want to see the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Doctor Strangelove, by the way? I have, but it's I okay. I, I, it's been so long. I, I don't specifically really remember, remember that there it. was a day, there was a weekend that we had been, we were out at um, John's parents' house, mm-hmm. and um, you and John were like not there for some reason. You were like either walking around or just like sleeping in. But while you guys were away, like John's parents, Aaron, Skyler, and I, like all of us. <laughs> We ended up watching Throne of Blood and Doctor Strangelove, which two amazing movies. Throne of Blood. Throne of Blood favorite. is uh, is like an adaptation of Macbeth, correct? By way of Japan, like it's yes. a samurai movie, right? Correct. Gotcha. From uh, the master himself, Akira Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Uh, but yeah, uh, we 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 all watched that, and I like I had to prepare um, everybody for because uh, I don't even know if. Uh, if John's parents had seen it, had Dr. seen Strange Doctor Strange Love, that's surprising. To um, me. Maybe they had, but maybe it just had been like forever. And I don't think Aaron and Skylar had seen it all. But yeah, like I mean, one of the one of the greatest final lines of any movie. Uh, like no spoilers or did they? But it's just like my fear, I can walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one I need to rewatch because I don't remember much about it. It's been so long since i've uh since i've seen it yeah so um darla's experiencing uh labor and uh unfortunately they don't really have anything to help her out and they're like oh do you think maybe she there's like a demon doctor or something like that and um uh gun reminds them that oh i mean she said that she's already done this whole uh shaman thing uh, so they're like, what about a regular doctor? I love, it's Fred who suggests it. Yes. I love how she does it in this way of like, 
you know, st- stupid idea. But like, and I'm like, Fred, stop self-deprecating. It's a good idea. Um, well, that does lead Wesley to thinking, you know, we don't really need the doctor. We just need the equipment. So they decide to go to a hospital yeah. and procure an ultrasound machine. Which Wesley knows how to use. Because he's smart and British. <laughs> he does have like a bit of a throwaway line where he's like, "It's been a long it's time. It's been a long time since I've done this." I'm like, but that just raises more questions. Is this Watchers Academy like part of your? I don't. Know. What if he's a? What if he's like a failed obstetrician? He's failed at a lot of the things. <laughs> Sorry, that was so. I don't know. It, it's You're very. So mean. It's strange because it feels like. I mean, it's still not quite the right area of expertise, but it does feel closer to Fred's skill set. I mean, and I understand that obstetricians and physics are very different. You basically just mean being able to handle a machine like that. Yeah, she is... his, His expertise is mystical stuff. Her expertise is science. And yes, I understand that I'm lumping... Science is a lot of things. If I had to guess, but like, I would say of the ha- team. If I had to guess, I would say it maybe, maybe because like ultrasounds aren't just used for looking at uh, unborn children. That's true. So maybe in like studying of demon anatomy, that that's where it would pop up. You know what? I accept that. Yeah, that I, I had to really think about it. <laughs> um, but we really did have to stretch to get there, yeah. but we did. Get I, yeah, there. I think I think that's a I think that's a decent that's, re- that's a reasonable yeah, that's answer. A decent reason. Um, so they do. Uh, so the so Angel is able to sneak uh, Darla into the hospital. Uh, they're able to grab an ultrasound machine because yeah yeah why not lying around <laughs> um, and uh, so this is when they are uh, while they're performing the ultrasound. Wes uh, is shocked because the uh, the baby is not a strange two-headed demon like everybody thinks it's going to be. And Fred tries to say that I wasn't implying there's an evil two-headed thing. It's so funny. <laughs> but it is in fact a human boy. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, David Boreanaz really just nails this, this. Yeah, it's it's such a, and it's so. I, I will say, we have the Holtz appearances in this, and he basically is completely under the impression. And I'm maybe doing a little mild spoilers for next episode, but he is like under the impression that Angel is still Angelus mm-hmm. and he's still an evil monster because you know he made this deal with Shahjan before. Angel was reinsold. Yeah. So to see hit to see like you know an Angelus in his flashbacks that eats a baby to now like an angel that is completely well basically goes through probably what a lot of parents go through when they see their first ultrasound. Yeah. Um, be like, oh my god, there it is. I mean, combine just yeah, just the overwhelming fact of pregnancy. And yes, seeing that image for the first time, that compounds on the fact that this is something that Angel didn't believe could ever happen to him. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, yeah, it's just really powerful. And I I think David Boreanaz just nails it. He does. And I like that there's delayed reaction from Darla. Yeah. Like, you know, at first she's like, oh, yeah, I 
like I don't really care. But I mean, uh, there's like a great like scene when they're in Angel's car later when um, he's just like, oh, you, it's because you saw that baby, and there's like a single tear that yeah. goes down. Julie Benz's beautiful face. Um, but of course she has to mask it she's like no I'm just mad they didn't eat you (laughs) (laughs) speaking of uh, getting eaten um, Cyril uh, called (laughs) oh lord this is great he calls this phone number and it appears to be like a residential family's like uh, answering machine and (laughs) it's like oh press one for Lillian Press two for Andrew. Press three for the devourer of death. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. No, it it really is. So I have to say, I think this movie or this episode actually got off to a slow start. Mm -hmm. But once we hit the second half where they're just like, let's throw every single possible thing we can at at the at the team and at all the other things that are coming at the team. (laughs) Yeah. It's actually I wouldn't necessarily say tense, but it's really funny. It's really fun. And it is it is really good for keeping, because we didn't actually mention this, uh, at the beginning of the episode, we do learn that the Troclon, or whatever it is, from the um, from the prophecy is Niacin not... Scrolls. Yes. Is not one single thing. It's not just the pregnancy. It's not just the baby. It's a confluence of a bunch of things. So it actually makes a lot of sense to throw a ton of shit at the gang all at once while they're trying to figure out like okay so is this part is is this part of this confluence or you know what what's the actual threat other and what's just everyday threats that we face but yes it turns out that Cyril's actually calling a vampire cult that uh, sees the baby as a miracle child um he's not the only one making a call <laughs> Lila calls this telekinetic assassin dude, ninja assassin. <laughs> and, I mean, I think we're meant to believe that he's like this really badass guy. But as the um, as the vampire cult is worshiping the child, um, because you know everybody's so intent on looking at the ultrasound that they don't notice that they're surrounded by vampires. Uh, Fred's the first one who notices it, in fact. Um, this uh, this guy jumps randomly through a window, and he's about to like hit, like kill Darla or something with his sword. And the vampires just kill him, like right away. Oh my god! So <laughs> funny. Instantly. So fucking funny. <laughs> I it's uh, <laughs> it was funny as we were watching. I was like, I don't really remember this ninja dude. I don't. Really <laughs> and there's remember. a reason. Yeah, why. and I was I didn't bother me too much because as I've said many times, I've watched angel far fewer times than i've watched buffy so i'm like i'm i have a less encyclopedic knowledge of angel but yeah when he took it torn apart i was like oh yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) this is is nothing dude so yeah so wolfram and hart uh they also like had a whole team of like uh commandos and along with um dr strangelove go to I don't remember like what his name was. I just know he's like the leading demon obstetrician. Yeah. Uh, so they're all at the Hyperion because uh, you know this is this is crazy. The senior partners could even get involved. Um, all the offices of Wolfram and Hart are hearing about it from Singapore to Muncie. Oh my god! For those of you who don't know what Muncie is, Muncie is a town in Indiana, home to. Uh, 
Ball State. Ball State, yeah. I was like, I was I was say, to, where did Jalen go to college? Ball State. I think that's about it, too. I think, I mean, it's yeah. a college town. It's, uh, like, um, yeah, I've been to Muncie exactly once when we went to visit Jalen to see the show she was in. Yes, and Muncie just has this, um, I feel like it gets a different kind of humor that, uh, other, that Gary and Deanna get, other than that Gary and Deanna gets. I'm sure that you all have heard of Gary and Deanna. Yeah, um, you've heard the song. I was going to say, like, you know, that's where Michael Jackson's from. I know. <laughs> but yeah, I just, like, thought, Muncie? Did they just did they just type into a word? Did they just type into, like, a search engine, random U.S. city, and Muncie, Indiana pops up? I mean, uh, you know, Muncie is actually home to one other very notable, uh, notable thing. Uh, it's where Jerry Gergich and his family have their timeshare. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Such a good joke. A timeshare in Muncie. I think there are so many good, like, Indiana jokes uh-huh. that are made in that show that um, I feel that people who just don't know about Indiana, which I mean, I can totally get people not knowing about Indiana. I try not to know about Indiana <laughs> as hard as I can. I feel like, I feel like the Apologies reason, that we, to any friends the reason that we know about Indiana is because obviously Louisville's so damn close to indiana that we literally are in an area titled kentuckiana uh which honestly every time i think about it it makes me a little more mad me too i mean there's no reason for it there's no reason for indiana to exist other than for us to be able to go buy pumpkins and fireworks you know we can buy fireworks here but not the good ones really i thought that like all the restrictions were out Maybe. It shows how often I buy fireworks. I mean, like, you know, the like Indianapolis has uh, the Colts. Um, and, uh, you know, Peyton Manning, people like him. Uh, I, I just, it's so funny to me that there's a Kurt Vonnegut museum in Indianapolis. And yet the, the example you tried to use on me was football. You know... <laughs> You know, you gave me shit for not, like, believing that you... For, for not knowing that you were, like, super into baseball at one point. And so I'm like, surely he's heard of Peyton Manning. He's in enough commercials. I know who Peyton Manning is, yes. Yes, Kurt Vonnegut is from Indianapolis. There is a fun museum there that I really enjoyed visiting. And I found, honestly, completely by accident while I was trying to get to... Uh, butler university to go see neil gaiman but i like kept in the back of my mind like kurt vonnegut museum and library keep that in there yeah um so anyway any indiana listeners sorry for roasting you so hard it's it's with love it's not (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and uh so the senior partners uh might uh just like are looking for someone to blame and so linwood's linwood murrow says oh i'll i'll step forward and well, I was like, oh, that's very brave of you. He's like, I'll step forward and blame you. What <laughs> a dick. Such a Wolfram and Hart thing to do. Oh, such a Wolfram and Hart thing. <laughs> He's like, Darla was resurrected on your watch. And it's like, okay, bitch. Lindsay was there too. That, yeah, but Lindsay's not there now. Yeah. He's uh, hiding maybe in Indiana. Bernard was there too. <laughs> like, God, what was this fucking name? Um, oh, uh... 
Wow, we oh, gosh. liked him so much. We did. Holland Manners. Yes. <laughs> I was like, Bernard Nadler. I, that's not right, but that's his character on Lost. Uh, Holland Manners was all about the Darla train, but they're all dead. Well, Lindsay's not dead, but uh, he's not here. So, poor Lila. Uh, well, I mean, if you lie down with the dogs, don't be surprised when you wake up with fleas. Mm-hmm. Uh um, Shaojan has been showing cults around LA. He ends up uh, getting a group of demons to um, get Holtz to uh, to basically be recruited by Holtz. So now he's got like a, a nice little band of minions to go help him kill Angelus. Um, he also it's also revealed that uh, that because of their agreement or whatever. Um, Holtz can't necessarily interact with Shaojan. Like, you can't touch him. Uh, oh, I think it was... I thought he was just incorporeal. Oh, maybe. I. They never really seemed to specify a time when he became corporeal yeah. or not. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll find that out next episode. My bad. No, uh, you're good. I just... I mean, I don't remember either. I'm like... <laughs> I know there's like a whole thing where like they can't touch him. These scenes are so boring. <laughs> I, 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 but yeah. Uh, so the, uh, so the, um, yeah, the team of SWATs. Like I'm trying to keep all these factions. There's a lot going straight. on. Uh, the team of SWATs, the Wolfram and Hart SWATs at the Hyperion, uh, and uh, they encounter Holtz, um, and I'm assuming his merry band of minions, and uh, the. We see, we see um, Murrow, that's his name? Lemon Murrow, yeah. Uh-huh. We see Murrow and Lila and Gavin looking at the surveillance. And, you know, they're like, oh, I don't know who this guy is. And Lila's immediately afraid because, like, um, he called Angel by his old name, Angelus. And, uh, yeah, basically everybody, including that Dr. Strange love-looking fuck, uh, are killed. Yeah. I love the way we don't get to see this massacre because the the cameras are on the fritz. They just hear the sounds of it. Um, and probably partially a cost-cutting maneuver since there's so many characters and stuff going on in this episode. But I, I don't know. I, I thought it was fun to not see it. I Yeah, it, it especially worked. because we've got the, we've got like the fight at the hospital. Yeah. Because, you know, at first Darla's like, oh, I'm perfectly fine with sitting this out because, you know, they just want to protect the baby. They're like, and they want to kill the humans to feed her the blood. Like, yeah, it's like, yes, we'll feed the blood. Then we will rip out your entrails and wear them as we welcome and worship the baby. It's like, all right, well, looks like I got to fight this one now. (laughs) Then we have just a wonderful moment from Fred where she says... She asks a gun, hey, Charles, do you have an extra knife? He's so like, polite. Yes. So unassuming. He's like, it's here so you funny. go. And she's like, all right, thanks. Then immediately grabs Darla, puts the knife to her belly, and says, all right, back off, or I'll turn this baby into triplets. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> and it worked. It worked. It would have worked, Fred. But unfortunately, <laughs> she she's still the new she's still the newbie. And uh she said to Darla, whispered to her, they don't know that the baby can't be hurt. That the knife can't hurt the baby. And Joe's like, well, they know now because <laughs> vampires have good hearing. So, yeah. 
she bought him some time though. She she did. I I really love after she puts the knife. She has she grabs the knife. Uh, Cordy has a great line where she's like, "Always the quiet ones." <laughs> um, I do love that. It's not something that's super highlighted, but there is like a uh, a bit of a morbid streak in Fred, like. On the surface, super sweet, super sunny, but yeah. like her go-to plan is, I'll cut the baby up. It's great. Uh, I, I, I love that Amy Acker can pull that off. Uh, uh, she's so well. I know we keep saying this, and I'm just it, the she has melded so seamlessly into. We've the We've been waiting for Amy Acker oh to gosh. get onto the show. Like, like, and I think the show generally has done a really good job of you know incorporating Wesley into the group, incorporating Gunn, um, incorporating Lorne. Um, but there's just something about how well Fred in particular, you know, just, she feels like the piece of the puzzle that was missing, Mm -hmm. um, in a way that those other three characters, and I don't mean this in any way, implying that I don't think they should be there. I love all, I love Lauren, Fred's, uh, Lauren, Wesley and Fred, or Gunn, but I don't know. It's, she's really filled a hole that was missing that I, I can't quite articulate what that was outside of having a major female character who isn't Cordelia. It, it, she's an innocent. But, yeah. Like that, that's, that's what she is. I mean, you, um, because you know, you look at even with Cordelia, um, even early on in Angel, she still had her experience from Sunnydale in fighting vampires. And I mean, you could you could argue that Lauren isn't innocent, but he, like, while he is innocent when it comes to demons, he also one is a demon and two deals with them a lot, just Mm -hmm. not in the stabby stabby kind of way. Yeah. So, but yeah, the fact that um, Fred is an innocent who is slowly getting to learn this world, whereas everybody else is pretty much a veteran. Yeah. Um. And they're just kind of levels of competency at it. Like, obviously, you have Angel and Gunn, who are uh, very competent at at this world. Um, Cordelia, who's, like, learning the ropes and refining what she's learned mm-hmm. from Sunnydale. And then Wesley, who, uh, you know, just does his thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what Fred is. She's very much kind of like a... She's kind of like the companion role on mm-hmm. Doctor Who. Yeah. Meant to kind of be like, oh, you're asking the questions that the audience wants to ask. Except that you don't necessarily need that because the show's mythology is already mm-hmm. in place. So she's kind of like whatever whatever a well-established mythology's version of that is. Yeah. <laughs> in a very roundabout <laughs> way of explaining that. Uh, the... The team is able to get away from the vampire cult. Uh, they, um, they're they trying to basically just get the hell out of there. Um, they're all packed into Angel's car. And they're like, well, where should we go? Um, and Gunn's about to suggest Vegas. And Angel's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the disappointment on Gunn's face. But he... Uh, but Wesley does say that there is a play like we need to get those Niazian scrolls mm-hmm. because we need to be able to know 
what's going to happen. Yeah. So he he specifically talks about how you know all these factions that are they've come across seem to know more about what's going on than they do, and they really need to be armed with knowledge. Um, and they haven't even encountered all of the yeah. <laughs> the people yet. Um, Angel pulls into an alley a few blocks away from the Hyperion and says he'll go the rest of the way on foot. So he jumps up a fire escape. So dramatic. And, and does this Batman thing. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's um, great. And as he is, and he says, uh, wait five minutes if I'm not back, then, um, then go. Wesley tells him where the scrolls are. Um, as Angel goes into the Hyperion, he sees, like, you know, just the equipment and the bodies everywhere. And he's looking around, and then we get the, uh, like, the line, Hello, Angelus. And, uh, and so Angel turns around and sees that it is Holtz. Yep. Um, and while this is happening, back at Angel's car, his, uh, his upholstery is ruined. Yeah. <laughs> because Darla's water breaks. And so the, uh, the contractions that she was having earlier in the episode were kind of like, uh, they were Braxton Hicks. Thank you. I was like, how did I immediately forget what those are? <laughs> um, but yeah, and so they thought that they had more time. Turns out that they have zero time. Yep. And Darla lets up scream. End of episode. Yeah. Um, it's a good episode. I Man, there's a lot of body counts going on. <laughs> <in this. laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good episode. It's... Not quite as good, I think, as Offspring. Um, the the stuff with Holtz drags it down. Um, like, I really... It's it's frustrating because those scenes are important, but they're just really not interesting. Well, we, we just really haven't had... I mean, we've seen the interactions with uh, Angelus and Holtz in the past, but mm-hmm. I think what we really need are these present day... Yeah. Because, um, like... Oh, you clearly set him up to be brought into the present. We need to see, like, what becomes of that. Yeah. Like, what results from that. Yeah. Um, it's just very frustrating that, like I said, we we are introduced to Linwood Murrow. We are introduced... Not introduced, but we get to know Sajan more this episode. I think both of these characters are immediately more... They, they pop off the screen in a way that Holtz isn't. And that's concerning. Um, yeah. But... But otherwise, the episode is just a blast. Oh. Yeah, no, like it. Again, you would think that um, all this stuff would make it be a mess, but it honestly, the fact that um, it's a little bit of controlled chaos because yeah. you know, oh, here's this telekinetic assassin guy. Oh, don't worry, the vampire cult's going to kill him. <laughs> uh, here, here's like this random like joseph mengala like demon joseph mengala with all these swat guys oh holtz is gonna take him out yeah <laughs> um yeah it feels like a lot but yeah we actually like like the ninja dude is such a non-entity like it, it's literally meant for a very funny joke yeah. um yeah my only other complaints about the episode is that stupid ass slow motion they use when Wesley oh, yeah. stakes that vampire. And it's frustrating because it's actually a pretty cool move. It's this vampire jumps off of a higher level. Wesley, like, gets out of the way and, like, stakes him on the way down. Like, from the back. But it's, it's ruined by, like, this slow motion that almost looks like just a frame. It, frame. Yes. Frame. I, I wonder if they were worried that it it was too fast and we wouldn't understand what happened. But... 
I don't this know. This isn't it's, a good it, alternative. It looked bad. It looked yeah. really bad. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was a funny episode. Um, it was good. Uh, you know, I thought the setup or, or the, the scene where Angel discovers that he's having a son. Yeah. It's just really good and really, um, and you know, our Angel Investigations team are, they're, you know, they're side characters in this episode. They're not the focus, but they yeah. all get good moments. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think this episode, it's a four and a half that's being brought down to a four by the wow. whole stuff. Okay. All right. Yeah. It would be a four and a half if the, if it weren't for the Holt stuff. Um, I'm actually giving it a three. Okay. Um, specifically because I feel that the first half of this episode drags, and not necessarily just because of Holt's, mm-hmm. but it does feel like I enjoyed the second half of the episode a lot more than I enjoyed the first half. And I would say my, maybe because it's because the second half had a quickening pace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't feel that drag in the first half for me personally, but that's like, it, why it, opinions it, are subjective. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just felt it just felt a little bit like, um, like kind of almost aimless. Like, okay. where is this going? And maybe it's because they didn't necessarily. It took them a while to establish, like, oh, these are all things that are going after the child, and we also don't really know why this child is worth going after Mm -hmm. because again like wesley said everybody knows more than we do so the fact that it's more just like oh we need to figure out like the the angel investigations team up until the end of the episode is like oh we need to figure out what this thing is Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm i'm giving it a three very nice all right anything else before we get out of here um no I think, right. I think I said just about everything. Okay. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with Buffy Season 6, Episode 8, Tabula Rasa. Yeah, this is... Um, Fucking stoked. Yeah, this is an episode that I watch a lot less frequently than Once More with Feeling, even though it is another banger of an episode. Yeah. Be prepared to laugh your dick off. And then cry your tits off. I'm Jason. You can <laughs> Listeners, find... <laughs> I wish you could have seen the look I just got. It was it was such a such a perfect mixture of perplexion and sheer disgust. <laughs> Honestly, that's how I look at you. I feel like most of the time. Fair enough. Um, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out A-N-D. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we're highlighting Vitamin Angels. Nice. <laughs> Vitamin Angels focuses on addressing malnutrition in pregnant women and children to save lives and increase potential. They increase access to pro- to proven nutrition solutions for undeserved underserved 
pardon me, <laughs> for underserved communities everywhere. Visit www.vitaminangels.org for more information. And as always, go slay and be gay. Bye.